It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, on the all-new Himalaya podcast app. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. We are going to do our rookie orientation with Jace Sternberger today. I don't want you to feel like we have given some very important Packers news the, the short shrift on this. I want to be able to give it time to breathe. I want to be able to speak to it in a more full manner. And, and that news, of course, is the passing of Packers legend Bart Starr. We are going to discuss this, and it is something that I think deserves the full reverence of, um, if not a full podcast, at least a, a lengthy conversation about what he was to this organization, what he meant to this team, what he meant to an era of football, and what he meant to the game, what he meant as an ambassador um, not just for for the Packers, but for the NFL and the contributions that he made after the league uh, as a as a philanthropist and uh, a mentor and all of the things that he did uh, off the field as well. They are they are just as worthy as what he did on the field uh, of praise. And so we're gonna we are going to spend time doing that. Uh, I appreciate everyone sticking with me on this modified schedule this week uh, with Memorial Day on Monday. I didn't want to give you homework. I didn't want you to feel like you had to you had to stay caught up uh, with uh, you know the holiday. This is this is a, a great a great long weekend. Uh, it's also a good time to remember, uh, and, and I think unfortunately, you know, we, we have a lot to remember right now in the case of Bart Starr and, and his unfortunate passing. And it, it is unfortunate that a lot of um, soldiers that we remember as part of Memorial Day have passed. And that is what we remember. And that, that remembrance part of it is really important. So I hope, I hope everyone had a restful and enjoyable weekend. Uh, long weekend and that you spent at least a little bit of time uh, with reckoning with why we have the holiday. Uh, I just, I think it's important. And so uh, I, I hope everyone got a chance to do that. We're going to get, so Billy Lucci, who runs texags.com, uh, one of the, one of the best college sites you're going to find out there. 
and one of the most knowledgeable guys that you're going to find talking about college football. We actually had a conversation about both Jay Sternberger and Kingsley Kiki. The Packers doubled down on Texas A&M football players in this latest draft. And so we're going to split those conversations up as part of our rookie orientation series. Uh, he and I um, had a lengthy conversation uh, that his dog wanted to be a part of. So if you hear some barking, that's why. But uh, the, the conversation is is incredibly informative, in my opinion. It, it was something that I, that I think uh, you'll find interesting, that you will find useful as we think about these players and, and the way that they can impact this team. In the case of Jay Sternberger, I want to talk before we get to Billy and that that conversation that we had, I think it's important to have some sort of idea of how we think this is going to go as a as a rookie and what his role could be. So number one, you know the, the Packers have starting tight ends. So Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis, I, I don't think there's any real reason to think that he's going to play significant snaps over those two guys. Remember, Mike McCarthy is no longer in charge of this team. The Packers front office thought enough of Mercedes Lewis to bring him back. This Matt LaFleur offense is predicated on a variety in terms of personnel groupings, but also on uh, playing big and being able to play big and being able to run the ball or throw it out of big personnel. Well, you need to play two tight ends, and Green Bay cannot play Jimmy Graham and Jay Sternberger at once right away at the very least and expect to be maximizing their personnel from a run-pass standpoint. Sternberger just isn't a good enough blocker at this point in his career, though I think it's something he can improve on. That's something we're certainly going to talk to Billy about. And we know the flaws and the shortcomings that Jimmy Graham has as a blocker, no matter what Brian Gutekinds tells you. No matter what he says about, oh, well, you know, I thought he did. Well, I thought, no. Well, no. Okay, we saw the games, Brian. I hate to break it to you. Um, and I, I just, it is also the case that Jay Sternberger probably is going to have some packages for him. And he's going to be able to play some on the field with Jimmy Graham. I think you're going to see some some interesting two receiver, two tight end sets where both guys are split out wide and both guys are in the slot or you put one out wide and you put one in the slot on the same side of the field or you put one out wide on the left side, put one on the slot on the right side and there's just so many ways you can deploy two guys who can move the way that they can and you're mitigating their issues as blockers. There is going to be opportunities early for him to play. This is, without question, a draft pick on the eye for 2020. And I'm not forgetting Big Bob Tanyan. Trust me, I would never do that. You know me better than that. I would never, ever forget Big Bob Tanyan. He's going he's gonna to compete for time here as well. Matt LaFleur plays two tight ends regularly at least we think he's going to and they open like I said they open they open training camp two receivers halfback fullback they're going to play with big personnel a lot and Jace is going to get an opportunity to play he's going to get an opportunity to play a fair amount and even if he's not the starter there's going to be three tight end sets where he can get on the field there's going to be 
packages, route concepts that they like him in, and and combination routes that they like him running, and leak out blocking. I mean, th- this is the this is the tailor made. If you're a rookie and you're a tight end and you can't do a lot, but you can run, this is the offense you want to be in because they create opportunities. So. You put him out there, and yeah, you're gonna have to be. You're gonna have to run some when he's out there, but you run some of those leak plays where you go play action, and you get every the whole defense going one way, and you leak him out the backside. He can turn five into 25, 35, 45 in a hurry because he's got speed. He's got after the catch ability with being physical as a runner. We're gonna talk about a lot of those traits. This is not, I don't think anyone should expect him to come in and be rookie of the year. Tight ends struggle as rookies, just basically universally. And so I want everyone to have clear expectations going into this, what he's going to be for this offense. This is not a 2019 play. He can be a factor. He can be tight end one by 2020 and beyond. He's going to have to get a little bit better as a blocker. He's going to have to develop some some chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. And if he can prove to be a reliable target, he's going to get the ball. So there's that part of it. And then if he proves to be a reliable blocker, then he can develop into that true tight end one in this Matt LaFleur offense. And in football parlance, I, I think we can say pretty clearly that that would be sexy. Jay Sternberger in this offense would be sexy. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go. Maybe those days are now. Even if they are, you can always get that little boost and increase in your performance at BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-improved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And remember, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for anyone who wants that little extra function in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Right now, we have a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free with our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code Locked On. Today's show is also brought to you by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friends' trips. Book your own at Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. The reopening is right around the corner and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut? Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Do you really want the next person to see your down there hair to think you weren't expecting anyone to see it? No one wants that. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced while preparing yourself for post 
quarantine life. The Perfect Package 3.0 comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, water-resistant, cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, the perfect one-two punch to keep your one-two punch fresh all day long. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean so you can too. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so treat yourself for making it through quarantine with the Lawnmower 3.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code locked on. All right, let's get to our conversation with Billy Lucci. He is the executive editor and co-owner of Tex Ags, that's T-E-X-A-G-S dot com, Billy Lucci on Twitter. The I is silent, so it's B-I-L-L-Y-L-I-U-C-C-I. Billy, thanks for joining Locked on Packers. No, no problem, anytime. So uh, the Packers doubled up with Texas A&M prospects in the 2019 NFL draft, and I want to start with Jay Sternberger, whose name I had been mispronouncing this entire pre-draft process, and so I apologize to Jay's for that. But he, he is one of the more interesting prospects in this draft because his path is so unique. I can't imagine that when he got to campus after basically an unsuccessful stint at Kansas and as a JUCO college transfer that, that you had the expectation that he was going to come in and light up the SEC the way that he did no I don't think I'm not I'm not sure anybody outside of Jace did I know when he was being he was actually Jimbo Fisher's first commitment at Texas A&M under Kevin Sumlin the Aggies essentially didn't they tried to recruit guys to play tight end but they really didn't use a tight end in their offense so Upon arriving, I'm, I'm Jimbo Fisher got here and realized for a guy that had a couple of years earlier produced a Mackey Award winner in Nick O'Leary, there wasn't a tight end on campus. So when they go out and sign Jace Sternberger, Jace wasn't just a junior college tight end that had transferred from Kansas. He was a pretty lightly recruited junior <laughs> college tight end. Now, they were eyeing him at Florida State right about the time they were leaving to A&M. Uh, but it, it, most Aggie fans, and, and, and even to some degree myself, who covers this stuff every day, I most people felt like, okay, you got to get a tight end, so you'll start with this guy. Just he, it was almost like he was just going to be a body, right. uh, just a, kind of a okay. You got to start with him because you're going to have to sign at least two and probably three. And A and M did go out and sign a high school one that year as well. They brought in a grad transfer senior from Arizona and tried to sign another one. Uh, in fact, even tried to sign the number one JUCO tight end in the country who ended up at Tennessee. So it, once they signed him, though, and you started watching that junior college tape, the very first name I thought of was was Jeremy Shockey. Wow. When I watched him in the passing mm-hmm. game, when I watched the way he attacked the ball, when I watched his, it, it, how difficult he was to tackle, and then you had to wonder though, how big was he really? Did it did it really uh, translate? 
to the SEC level because, you know, it's one thing to see somebody doing it at Northeast Oklahoma Junior College. and then, uh, But I'll tell you, when I was sold on him was after he signed hearing the A&M coaches talk about him, hearing Jimbo Fisher, hearing his position coach, Tim Brewster. And I went out, he was a midterm enrollee. And before they started spring ball, I went and watched Johnny Manziel throw with some of the uh, A&M receivers. It was just kind of a voluntary off-season thing. Johnny was there, kind of reached out to some of the guys and said, do y'all want to go throw? And A&M's got some really talented young receivers. And I went there to watch them, and I couldn't stop watching Jay Sternberg. Everything he did with his route running, his hands, how big he was. He was every bit of, uh, you know, about right around 6'4", and and at that time probably 240. Now he's up over 250. I just – the route – and the hands and the attention to detail I saw. And I ended up leaving there with Johnny, and he told me, he said, man, that tight end's going to be really good. And so we both kind of saw the same thing that day. And, and a couple weeks later, he's a spring game MVP, and uh, the rest is history. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because the the first game, you know, obviously Northwestern State, not the, not the toughest opponent, but he goes out five for 56 and two touchdowns. And you have to be like, whoa, whoa, like who, this guy really is. He He's legit. Yeah, and, and it wasn't, the, you know, the 5 for 56 was one thing, but it was it was the, come, you know, you, you saw it in fall camp, you saw it in spring ball, and then you saw it in a game. And one of those two touchdowns was, was a, just a spectacular back-of-the-end-zone catch that 245, 250-pounders don't right. make, typically. And then, and then uh, you know, against Clemson, against Clemson, a week later, he makes a couple plays early in that game, and you go, okay, so now he's doing it against Clemson. Now he's doing it against one of the couple best defenses in college football, mm-hmm. and he's still in only his second game. And he just kind of went from there. He really never uh, slowed down. He and I have talked about it. I, I thought maybe he had one off game all season to be honest with you i mean there were some where the catch numbers were higher than others but just one game where he kind of battled the football and i think the physicality kind of got to all the a&m guys that week it was just kind of an off week for them at mississippi state with those uh three first rounders on yeah. the defense i think they you know, state's one of those teams that if you don't if you don't have if you don't have it buttoned down when you go in there and are really on your game, uh, they're going to expose you in their house. They do that to SEC teams all the time. And I think with A and M, they were young at quarterback, young at receiver, young at tight end, and that one kind of got away from them in a hurry. And Jace was one over, but that was the only bad game I saw him play all season. Well, and it is interesting because that came right after the South Carolina game, which is ab- about as good as a college tight end can play. I mean, he punked those yeah. dudes. Yeah, I've seen some. Uh, I've seen some pretty good tight end play at A&M. Martellus Bennett mm-hmm. uh, kind of stands out there. But Jace, and I talked to a couple NFL coaches about him. Um, that game, and, and not just that game, but others. You know, you watch him against Kentucky. Yep. You watch him against LSU, and he he is extremely difficult to tackle uh, as South Carolina. That was 
like you said, that's the most kind of jaw-dropping example of it. But he is extremely difficult to tackle, uh, whether it's in the open field or whether it's just right after the catch, kind of able to pull away from that, that guy that's draped on him, covering him, more so than any tight end in the country this year. I'm telling you right now, if you, I, I watch and study this stuff, and after the catch, as far as ball skills and after the catch, I just don't, I don't believe there was a better one in college football this season. And, and you saw him do it against a Kentucky team that finished ranked in, in the top 12 and probably had a top 15 defense. You saw him make a couple plays, including score a touchdown against Bama. You saw him, you mentioned South Carolina, LSU. He, he put a terrific move on Grant Delpit, got away from him for a, for a short touchdown. And then, and he might uh, be a top a 10 touchdown. pick next year. Yeah, Grant's going to be a top 10 pick. And, and, I mean, there are several other games where he did that as well. I think, I think Ole Miss, he had a big game. So, again, he's doing this against Auburn. He had like a 40-yard catch on a throwback. He's doing this against better competition than most of these guys were playing against. We talked about Clemson. So, yeah, and, and on top of that, his highlights, catching the football, and we're talking about in the passing game, I think are better than any tight end in the draft this season. And, and by the way, the stats the, the stats bear I, that out. He was better after the catch uh, than TJ Hawkinson, than Irv Smith Jr., yep. than Noah Fant. I mean, then, then some of these guys who were first-round picks, no, TJ Hawkinson was a top-10 pick, and Sternberger was better after the catch, at least statistically. Uh, but I think, it, I think that it, the eye test is there with him, too. That's, I love... The Jeremy Shockey comparison. I just think that is so bang on. Uh, but let's let's turn this a little bit because if there is one question about him, it is: Can he play in line for Matt Lafleur? Can he be the blocker that the Packers need him to be? I think his. I think the questions about his blocking are a little overrated. I think you know he's a kid who is big. He's strong. He just needs a little bit of work there. I mean. Tell me what you see with him as a blocker. And I've talked to a lot of guys. You know, I my business partner that we own Texags together played about 10 years in the NFL as a blocking tight end. Uh, my college roommate was Dan Campbell, who, you know, Packers fans would know he mm-hmm. interviewed for the Packers head job this year. And he, he was a longtime blocking tight end in the NFL with the Giants and uh, Cowboys mainly. Um, Jace is a, and I've talked to them extensively about Jace. You know, Jace is a willing blocker. He's he he's not a guy that that's not going to be able to be taught. He just you got to think about where he came from. You mm-hmm. know, Kansas and and spreading it out in the Big Twelve, and then the junior college ranks where he was basically a, a, a glorified. He was a, he was a big receiver. And then he comes to A&M where they require those guys to block. And if you watch him from beginning of the year till end, he was always a willing blocker. He just, the technique wasn't there. And he's not the biggest guy, but he's not small where he's just going to get slung around down there. But it was the technique and and really kind of having a clue what he was expected to do in there. And it got better as the season went on. And, uh, I interviewed him right after he announced he was turning pro. He came in studio with me and he said, yeah, you know, I learned more. They had a change at the tight end coaching position and they brought in a guy that had played 
for a while at OU in the, in the NFL. And he said to us on air, I learned, I, I learned more about blocking in, in bowl practices uh, than I had all season. Wow. He said, I really thought I came on. And I, you know, I think part of that was he really clicked with the new coach. And then I also think, you know, so I think technique wise, he got better. I also think it was, look, it's his 13th game now. It wasn't. And you had three weeks to prepare for a game as opposed to one. So he could really drill in and hone in on what he wanted to do. And sure enough, he came out and, and did a nice job of blocking in that bowl game against NC state. So the potential there, do I ever think he's going to be a dominant inline blocker? No, but I think he's going to be, he, he, like you said, he's strong. He's not a small tight end. He, he's just not, he's not a big tight end and he's willing to do it and he's got the feet to do it and he's got the athleticism. So I think he's going to end up being a fine blocker, but an exceptional uh playmaker in the passing yeah i mean two things on that right if if you can catch the ball and you can create down the field i almost don't care (laughs) but but yeah but then too i mean mean, like he has the attitude for it blocking is about attitude and you watch him run with the ball after the catch and see and see guys try and tackle him he's got the attitude to do it go watch if if you get time or anybody listening there there was a play against gosh i've got it think of the opponent but he he got hit coming across the middle and he, he you know a ball was i think it was kentucky it was kentucky a ball was tipped and he got hit just absolutely laid out coming from you know the middle of the field running towards the sideline looking back at the football and it was tipped and the guy really cleaned him up to the point where you didn't know if he was going to return to the game. And he came back in a few plays later, made a play, went crazy. And then later in that game scored what, what ended up being the game winning touchdown off another tip ball. So Jace does not, there ain't anything about him. That's not tough. I'll tell you that right now. And, And I think, look, what green Bay got is a guy that if he'd have come back for his senior year, he's probably a first round pick. And they got him in the third round. If he'd come back for his senior season, had one more off season in the weight room, because he came in at what two fifty two, two fifty three at his pro mm-hmm. day, I think. He, he didn't play at that. He played, I bet you, ten pounds lighter. If he'd have had one off season in the weight room, one more, and another off season under Joe John Finley and, and Jim and Jimbo Fisher's offense to learn how to block. He had a returning starter at quarterback. Um, I think there's no question in my mind that that Jace would have been a late first-round pick or early second, and Green Bay got him in the third. So I think they got a steal. Matt Williamson brings the scouts' perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. You got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen he's just been a complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play yeah let's throw a couple nuggets out on Allen and I know he's a lot bigger a lot stronger but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3 what's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted and he got better I thought this past year which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws 
but his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. All right, I want to thank Billy for joining the show once again. Remember, we are going to be back with another Billy Lucci special on this, talking Kingsley Kiki. And uh, he was gracious enough to give me a little extra time, and we were able to break down both players. So we're going to get to that next week. Today's show is also brought to you by Untuckit.com. Untuckit is the solution that fits just right. Their shirts are designed specifically to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to Untuckit.com with the promo code NBA to get 20% off. And today's show is also brought to you by Grip6, where their goal is to literally make the best belt that's ever been made. Ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat across the waist, making the belt comfortable. Grip6 is the only belt with no holes, no flap, and no bulk. Their special promo code right now, grip6.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E. We're going to be back tomorrow, and that is going to be our Bart Star Remembrance Show uh, getting into you know, his history, his impact, and everything that he's done for the Packers organization. I think it's important that we pay homage to him and honor his memory, his legacy. Uh, it is it, it really unmatched, and I think it is it is not hyperbole for those who call him the greatest Packer ever for it, it, taking into consideration everything that the word great means. So that'll be tomorrow, and then we will uh, we will finish out the week. Four shows this week, and then back on a normal schedule next week. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, on the all-new Himalaya podcast app. Anywhere you find podcasts, you'll find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And you know it, the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to always stay Locked On Packers. for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite NBA team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.